Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. We're back for another race preview. Oh baby, a triple, as the kids might say. It's three races in a row, three previews in a row. And the three of us are here. Harry Eid and Samuel Sage joining me, of course. Guys, are you pumped for yet another weekend of Formula you One fr- action? You throw me back so much to my childhood that I've, uh, I've just dabbed while you said, <laughs> oh baby, a triple. That's Good. how excited I am for Hungary. There's three of them. <laughs> oh, baby, there's three. Uh, we'll link the videos somewhere. Come on our Twitter. You'll find them. They're all they're all silly vines. It's not related to F1, but we're here for racing, folks. And I know you are too. Can't wait to discuss a whole podcast of crazy topics. Ben, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to be looking at the Hungarian Grand Prix, of course. Verstappen and Hamilton had a great duel there last year. We're going to be asking, can that be repeated or is the Mercedes just too strong this year? Bottas has been confirmed at Mercedes by Autosport. Not confirmed by the team just yet, so a bit of an asterisk on that. We're going to be discussing whether that is the right move for the Mercedes team. Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin racing rumours have been running wild over the last few days. We're going to be asking whether there's any truth in those rumours and would it work? And a good old-fashioned game of F1 overrated underrating to finish off. Uh, Sam, I'll kick off with you on this one. Red Bull, do you think, probably Verstappen very specifically, do you think he's got enough at Hungary to challenge those Mercedes that were so strong in Austria? Well, speaking of Verstappen specifically, and in fact his counterpart, Alexander Albon, I was a little disappointed with the the last weekend performance for Albon. I mean, you're in the second best car of the season, and you were... Where were you? You were were nowhere. You were 40 seconds off the fight for the front. That's ridiculous. You need to support your teammate. And we're going to a track now that is is a bit of a safety ground for both Red Bull and Mercedes. Both teams alike have always done very well around here. It really suits both cars. Um, the Ferraris always languish, of course, at that straight line speed, which I don't have anymore either. Um, so I, I, I think the album needs to step up his game here. If he's going to deliver something, now is the time to deliver. He needs to support that teammate. But yeah, the staffing is the likely one to lead the line, as always. Uh, probably up against Hamilton. Hamilton has always also done pretty well in Hungary. And we saw that epic fight last time out where Hamilton was hunting down the staffing for about what, 15 laps, I think it was, second after second after second, and those fresh tyres, and he just passed him with so much ease afterwards, but what a dramatic moment, one of the best moments of last season. Do I think that will happen again? Probably not, that feels like a big one-off, but do I think that it's going to be Verstappen v Hamilton at Hungary? I'd like to think so. Red Bull do have uh, upgrades rumoured to arrive. I think that that Red Bull's downforce, once again, is always fantastic, and the Honda engine deficit, although it is smaller uh, in this day and age that we have here in 2020, it, it's it's not going to be as impacted, I don't think, by the, the straight line speed that you get around Hungary. Of course, there's only one proper straight. It's the start-finish straight. One of the shortest start-finish straights that we have. I think it's around the same length as Australia. Very small. So the Mercedes doesn't get the chance to stretch its legs as much as it would maybe, let's say, around Austria or China or something like that. It really balances the playing fields. Although Hamilton is so strong around Hungary. We're seeing it time after time how good he is. Bottas has also done well around here. And of course, when those two are both on form, Mercedes are not unstoppable. I, I do think this is going to be a Mercedes victory. I do think Mercedes have got a lot in the locker. But I'm excited to see 
Verstappen and hopefully Albon really take it to them. I think it might be closer than what we had in Austria, sorry, in the Styrian Grand Prix last time around. I do think it's going to be a closer gap. I'm hoping so anyway, for the, the viewer's sake. Yeah, I think we went into Austria and indeed Styria hoping that, that Red Bull would mount that challenge to to Mercedes. And even though Verstappen, obviously race one, he didn't get much of a chance to show it. Race two, he, he was there, never really competed with Hamilton for the win. He did obviously hold off Bottas for a large percentage of the race, still not quite enough to deny Mercedes of that one too. Harry, do you think that the Red Bull guys are going to get a bit bit closer at a track that, at least on paper, suits them a bit more? Uh, I do, and I think the 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 sort of data from um, Austria, Styria, the Red Bull ring, um, kind of indicates the Red Bull are quite good in the slow corners, and there aren't a lot of slow corners at uh, the Red Bull ring. Um, but yeah, I I, just, I I would not be surprised if it was a Verstappen versus Hamilton scenario again. Um, Botta. Bottas will probably be in the mix too. Whether Albon will be, Red Bull need Albon to be because, you know, every time they've got this, you know, pincer movement, they've got to fend off from, they're trying to attack one Mercedes, normally Hamilton, and defend from the other, normally Bottas, and it just can never work out because you're trying to look in front and behind at the same time. So they need Albon to be there too. Um, but for the win, I would probably say Hamilton versus Verstappen. They're both pretty, pretty impressive around, uh, Around the Hungara ring, and we saw in quali for for uh, the race last weekend. I mean, Hamilton was above, clear above uh, everyone else, but it was those two who were fighting it out for pole. There was no other, no one else was going to touch them. So, um, yeah, I would be ninety five percent sure it's going to be those two for for the win. Uh, there's a bit of weather about again this weekend, which should make things a bit spicy. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like Sam says, I'd be impressed if we had the same sort of scenario again as last year. But I'm not going to say no to it. It was great. So bring it on. Yeah, and on, on that point on on Alex Albon and needing to be um, a, a bit more competitive to, to work his way into the strategy, I think people sometimes look at it maybe too simplistically and think that when Albon isn't in that picture for the lead, it negatively affects the Constructors' Championship effort by Red Bull and that's it. When in actual fact, as proven at Hungary last year, uh, as proven last time out in Styria, it's not just the Constructors' Championship that's negatively affected, it's also the Drivers' Championship. Verstappen's efforts to win a race are completely compromised when another driver on his team doesn't factor into the strategy. So um, he'll be hoping that Albon, even if he's not right on his, on his tail, he can at least impact decisions strategic decisions made by mercedes um so that, that that doesn't leave them out to dry essentially um speaking of leaving out to dry there is a lot of rain in the forecast hopefully verstappen can get a bit closer to if there is rain uh verstappen can get a bit closer to to hamilton that what was the case at austria of course one of the shortest circuits on the calendar uh, sorry the well the quickest lap on the calendar um and it was over a second difference between them in qualifying i know verstappen had that error on his final run but it, it in all likelihood that was still going to be about seven eight tenths of a second so hopefully verstappen can get a bit closer than that if it is indeed a wet qualifying um, the fact of the matter is, if if anyone's going to stop Mercedes at this point, it's it's going to be Red Bull, unless Ferrari turn up at Hungary and these upgrades are the greatest upgrades 
ever seen, it's only going to be Red Bull that can challenge Mercedes. And if they're going to do so, tracks like the Hungaroring, races like the Hungarian Grand Prix, they they aren't nice to wins. They're, they're imperative. If, if they can't win races like that, they haven't got a hope in hell. They might not have a hope in hell anyway, looking at the straight line speed advantage of Mercedes in Austria. Um, not every circuit is like the Hungarian Grand Prix where it won't really come into come into play. Um, but yeah, they have to win this race. They really have to win this race. And let's face it, Verstappen has to win this race. I, I think there is a reasonable chance they could. Um, you know, the, the rain could spice it up, but just focusing, as you said, Harry, on their on their slow speed cornering, it's very good, very good compared to Mercedes. Austria, Mercedes had a massive advantage through high-speed corners and through straight line, which at a circuit like the Red Bull Ring is always going to give you a massive chance of victory. Uh, but in, in terms of the medium-speed corners, I don't think there's much in it. And in terms of those slow-speed corners, of which Hungary has a lot of them, Red Bull had a distinct advantage against the Mercedes. So, um, you know, obviously Mercedes are going to set up their car differently. Uh, perhaps, you know, I don't think the focus would have been too much on low-speed cornering in Austria. So maybe they can they can eat into that advantage that way. But I think Red Bull do have that do have that advantage. So uh, I think there is every chance they win, whether they do it or not. I'd love to see it. I think there is every chance we do get a Verstappen-Hamilton or even a, a Verstappen-Bottas fight out front for the win. It'd be fascinating to see. Um, moving on to Ferrari, obviously touched on them. They are bringing further upgrades to Hungary. They brought some of them to the second Austrian Grand Prix. Um, it didn't exactly work. They didn't get much of a chance to show what they were capable of in the race, of course, only lasting a lap. Um, do you think there's any chance that Ferrari improve on their position, which at the moment really is about fifth or sixth best, Sam? No, if I'm totally honest with you, as, as, as short and blunt as I could be, um, I, I genuinely don't. Clearly, those upgrades were so potent that Leclerc felt the need to um, destroy both cars immediately so they wouldn't be found out. Um, they've never, they've never been good. Yeah, yeah. Don't let anyone see. We're too good. Take the other car out. Um, honestly, they haven't been good at Hungary for a very long time. It is one of the weakest tracks for Ferrari we've seen in the last decade, if not since Michael Schumacher drove for them. They have always struggled with the incredibly low downforce tracks. Um, regularly don't win Monaco either, which, of course, Hungary is a little bit like Monaco in the type of corners that it provides. It just hasn't got the barriers. Um, I can't see Ferrari being that third best team, you know, fighting with where Red Bull probably usually were at this point of the season if we were to have a normal season. Um, Ferrari, for me, are still very much going to be, I reckon, lucky if they get both cars into Q3. Uh, the Renault engine seems improved, and both Renault and McLaren, especially Renault if they can sort their overheating issues, seem strong. McLaren have had two fastest laps out of two races. They've got pace. They need to work on their race pace a little bit, but their qualifying pace is fantastic. And the Pink Panthers, they're fantastic. Perez is on great form. Stroll's even doing a good job, which is great to see. So <laughs> it's really, really difficult, I think, for Ferrari to almost break back into that top two or three teams. They've got the money, they've got the resources, they've got the team. I just don't think they've got the time to develop that quickly, especially for the strange multitude of tracks we've got coming up. Usually, you can plan a whole season of upgrades because you know what kind of tracks you're attacking. You know that when you're going to Austria, within two tracks' time, you'll be going to Spa and then Monza. And you know that's all power tracks. So you may as well work on a power-elemented part of your, your upgrades for your engine. But it's all over the place. And Ferrari struggle when it comes to any kind of strategy anyway. 
So I don't think they're going to be able to bring the correct upgrades to apply them properly. And by that point, when they have applied them, would have moved on to somewhere else. And I don't know how relevant they'll be. I genuinely think the Ferraris are at max the fourth, maybe fifth fastest team. And I think around Hungary, it's really going to show. And it's going to be a tough weekend, I think, for Leclerc and Vettel. Yeah, of course, uh, neither... On both on both of the Austrian Grand Prix weekends, uh, they didn't get two Q3 appearances. You know, Vettel fell in Q2 on that first run. On the second run, it was it was Leclerc that didn't quite make it. Harry, upgrades coming, adding to the ones that were already there. Is it going to make an impact? Um, I mean, for Ferrari's sake, I hope so. Yes. Um, the the I think they will do better than they did in Austria. I don't, I don't know whether that will be anything to do with the upgrades or not, but I think the general feeling is that through corners, they're not too bad um, for whatever reason, whether it's a draggy car or a, a, a lack of engine um, power or both. Um, it's not very good on the straight. So I have a feeling that Ferrari will be improved in uh, in Hungary. Um, I don't see them jumping up to, they're not going to be back to the third best team or anything. I think they'll still be fighting it out on, amongst, you know, Racing Point, McLaren, Renault, as Sam said. Um, but yeah, for, for their sake, they need to not have any, they need a clean race and they need to, you know, make sure these upgrades do work and at least bring them closer to the, to the front two teams, to, to Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, so I think it will be a better weekend. Uh, I think they will, they will both make it into Q3. I'm not saying they're going to be fifth and sixth but i think they'll both scrape through this time around um but yeah for for the love of god ferrari please make these damn things work yeah i I was going to kick off this point and say it can't get much worse for ferrari but knowing them i'm sure they'll give it a go um i mean it could get worse it could get worse but i don't think it will um i agree with you harry I think the it's a shame for them in Austria that they weren't at least able to get some on-track experience with those partial upgrades. Even if they were going around in 19th and 20th for, for 70 laps, at least that's some sort of exposure. Um, they've just got no idea whether they worked or not. So they're basically going into Hungary, trying to work that out, as well as the other upgrades that are coming that, that were scheduled for this Grand Prix. Um yeah, they seem to be very much lacking in terms of engine power. That they were they were really down, as were the other Ferrari powered teams in Haas and Alfa Romeo. Um, that's going to be much less of a factor in Hungary. Um, but you know, I, I think the narrative that they are bad on bad on the straights and okay in the corners isn't wholly true. Um, in low speed corners, they're still not very good. Um, they're arguably not quite as bad as they are on the straights, but they've still got a long way to go even against the midfield rivals let alone the um let alone the guys at the front um the one area their car does seem to be okay is medium speed corners um and Hungary does have a few of those to be fair so they might benefit i th- i think they will have a better weekend partly due to the upgrades partly due to um just the, the car being suited to the track, which I, I know historically it hasn't been a great track for them, but I think, you know, the car's completely transitioned in terms of uh, what it's bad at. So uh, I think they will have a better weekend. I actually think they will be slightly ahead of Renault and McLaren. Um, and I think they they will be the fourth best team behind Racing Point, but um, I don't think there will be a huge amount in it. 
So instead of just being bad at cornering, they're now just bad at everything, which is... It's a great development choice from Ferrari, a team that spends hundreds of millions of pounds on the development of their car. Good job, guys. Scathing. Um, and I mean, we, we do speak about um, <laughs> we do speak about Bonotto and whether his position is under threat at all in a recent video we've done. So um, so do check that out. Um, let's move on to some bold predictions. Harry. Bold. You said that Lewis Hamilton wouldn't be on the podium last week. I have some bad news for you. <laughs> He's wrong again. He was. <laughs> um, <laughs> what What have you got this? I'm sure you're going to have a winning week at some point. So please, what is your bold prediction for Hungary? We've been doing this for about, I don't know, three years now. Maybe around three years. And I can't believe I've not got anything right. Latifi getting a point in the first race was about <laughs> so close I've ever come. Um, yeah. yeah, so we just spoke about Ferrari and I have said they're going to be improved. And I, I mean, I do mean, I think their pace will be improved, but I don't think either of them are going to score points. Well, Ooh. it's a, a nice and nice and easy one for you to get your first win. No Ferrari scoring <laughs> points. I know they've been bad, but that's bold. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to crash into each other. Yeah, I I mean, I can get on board with that, to be honest. Interesting. That's a a good shout. I mean, it sounds weird, but at that point, if if that were to happen, you you would almost want it to be because of a crash. Because if that's on pure pace, I think that's more worrying. Okay. Anyway. Okay, no Ferrari points from Hungary if you're listening to Harry. If you're listening to Sam, his bold prediction is what? I'm going down the Harry school of thinking here, so I'm definitely going to be wrong. I don't know why I'm taking advice off a man that's literally never got this right. Um, I think that George Russell will score his first Formula One championship point in this weekend in Hungary. Good Lord. Interesting. George! (laughs) Bold. George! <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, I I don't know. I I it could happen. He ne- I mean he nearly made uh he nearly made Q2 there last year, didn't he? So He did, yeah. Um maybe it will happen. Maybe it will happen. Um I've actually gone down the same sort of route, Sam. Um but I haven't gone for George Russell. I've gone for a driver and indeed a team that have been pretty much as slow as the Williams, so I think it's a pretty similar prediction. Um Is it I think Ferrari? Kevin I think Kevin Magnussen will score points this weekend. Oh, it's Haas, the other Ferrari team. Yeah. I would love K Mag to get some points. I would absolutely love to see him score some points. He deserves it, just for being so Norwegian. Is he Denmark? Is he from He's Denmark? <laughs> I've offended another country, everyone. Fantastic. Well, thanks for the thumbs up and uh, and comics, everyone. I've actually changed my bold prediction. My bold prediction (laughs) is now that Verstappen will win on the basis that he's Somalian. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm not going to be allowed to travel outside the UK soon. You can already? (laughs) Wow. Sorry to K-Mag and to Denmark and to Norway. All right, poll one, two, three. Harry, who have you got? Poll, I'm going to go for Maxi Verstappen. He got his his first poll here last year. I think he's going to repeat that. But then for the race win, going for Lewis Hamilton, followed by Maxi Verstappen. Uh, And then P3 will be Valtteri Bottas. 
All right. Sam, have you got? Oh, it's so boring, but I'm almost going for literally the same thing. Um, apart from pole will be Lewis Hamilton. I think we're slightly overestimating just how good that Red Bull's going to be. That Mercedes is breathtakingly good at the moment. So I think Louis Ham takes another pole position. I think Louis Ham takes his 86th career victory. I think Max Verstappen goes into second place. And I think Walter Porridge, 47.9, loses the Championship League, but finishes in third place. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a blessed pole position. I'm going to go for Lewis Hamilton. Um, but I've got faith in the Red Bull. I'm, I've got Verstappen winning the race um, ahead of Hamilton in second. Um, and I can't believe like my my predictions are actually the most exciting for probably the first time ever. I've got Sergio wow. Perez getting third. Oh, Ooh. the pink Mercedes! Yeah, Love. I think we've, we're we're going to get three teams on the podium. You'll drive into Albon. Yeah, probably. I just <laughs> oh, bunging again. <laughs> yeah, Alex Albon will be in a podium spot, by the way. Um, but he'll end up uh, he'll end up crashing into something. Bless. Moving on to Valtteri Bottas, who, according to Autosport sources, so um, you know, fairly, uh, fairly well recognised sources, saying that um, yeah, he'll be returning to Mercedes next year, twenty twenty one. Harry, right move. Do you do you think it's um, it's wise of Mercedes to stick with what they've got rather than focusing on a potential future? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's not an unsurprising move, is, the, is it? This one, um, yeah. With uh, Hampton looks likely to stay with them next year or for a couple of years more at least. Um, it's a it's a winning combination. Bottas is there enough to you know to to win or at least pick up the some decent points on a day when maybe Hamilton can't, which is rare, of course. Um, but he's not there enough potentially to, to you know, or he hasn't been in the past to, to trouble Hamilton like Rosberg did. And that for Mercedes, for Toto Wolff, is the, is the perfect mix. Why would you want to upset that? And of course, there is looking towards the future, but they've got a bright young talent in the in the shape and form of George Russell waiting in the wings, I think, for, for the future of that team. And obviously, there's Ocon as well at Renault, which I'm sure they can snatch back again. So um, for now... That I think that's the sensible choice. Bottas is still delivering for them. He's, you know, he's already got a race win this year. Um, yeah, I, I I wasn't unsurprised to see that news. As much as I would have, as much as I would have maybe loved to see, you know, Vettel, Hamilton, and Mercedes, that was never going to happen. So, not surprised. Sensible move from Mercedes, as they they make a lot of sensible decisions, as as we all know. Now, I am always absolutely terrified whenever Valtteri Bottas comes up as a topic. And I have to give it over to Sam because I never know what's <laughs> going to happen next. <laughs> and I'm sure the country of Finland will be declaring war on late breaking after the next five minutes. But Sam, what did you think about it? I'm just sad, okay? Because I just want Vettel and Hamilton to have a good time together. And they've always just got to do it in interview pings. They're not allowed to just chill out. You know, play some ping pong together. I imagine they might compare racing boots or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm even saying, folks. Honestly, it would have been great to have seen 10 world champions titles. So that's hard to say, sorry. Um, all at one team. But current drivers in one go. That's an amazing thing. And it would have been amazing. It would have pretty much been the only time we... It's an amazing thing that would have been amazing. Wow. 
words of fun. Um, honestly, it's genuinely pretty much the only time we might have ever seen that happen. Uh, and I would have loved to have seen it happen. That that strikes me as a fantastic thing. But honestly, Bottas does tick all the boxes. He does do absolutely everything that Mercedes are requiring of a number two driver. And if he wins a title, I think him and Lewis are relatively good enough pals and understand and respect each other enough that it won't cause a falling out. Those, the mind games that Rosberg played are not there. Remember that Hamilton and Rosberg essentially came up together. They started karting essentially in the same time, in the same league. They've known each other since they were like nine or ten years old. So when they eventually go against each other year after year to win world titles, there's a lot of nostalgia and rivalry that they built upon there. And Bottas doesn't have that with Hamilton. Bottas is a lot more level-headed, he's a lot more calm. And Hamilton as well, through age and experience, is also mellowed really nicely. And they work brilliantly as a team. They complement each other really well. Bottas knows when he's beaten. He knows when to move out the way. He brings up the rear fantastically, which we haven't seen from the likes of Albon or Gasly when they were with Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Um, he's quick when he needs to be. He has a few off races. You know, he had the whole season where he didn't win a single race. I do want to see a little bit more performance from Bottas. But overall, I get it. I totally understand why they've done it. I think they'll keep him on until we have the new style of cars come through for the 2022 regulations. And then I think they'll bring George Russell into the fray. Um, and there's also a lot of George Russell fans that are a bit disappointed that he hasn't earned himself a seat. I do think he's ready. I do think he's shown that he is more than capable of beating multiple opponents, of dragging a car up from maybe where it shouldn't be. We just saw it happen in Styria. The guy qualified well into Q2. Nicholas Satifi was nowhere to be found when it comes into comparison. He's never been out qualified in Formula 1. And he's against Giga Kubica, the man you can't drive around because he's so massive. Honestly, the guy's a fantastic <laughs> talent. His time... <laughs> <laughs> this time will come. He will get that top drive. I think he'll get a season next to Lewis Hamilton. I think Hamilton will then maybe step aside as well. And maybe Bando the Lando Boris might step alongside with him, which would be a great combination of drivers. Um, but for now, I get it. I think he's earned it. The guy's shown that he's got maturity and speed and what is needed to really complement that team. And let's face it, it's not like they've lost the Constructors' Championship while Bottas has been there. So... Again, like I said at the start, he ticks boxes. I get it. I understand. And good for Bossas. He's a lovely chap. So, I mean, just to make sure this doesn't get lost in what you've just said, Sam, we have discovered that you can only pay, play ping pong with Formula One teammates. You can't actually play <laughs> ping pong if you're not in the same team. Anyway, yeah. apart from that incredible discovery... Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess is the mentality Mercedes are going for here, and you can't really blame them for doing so. Um, the partnership does work. They do win every single championship that's up for the offering. You've got Hamilton, who is one of the greatest of all time. If you don't think he is, you need to reassess your position on that. And they've got Valtteri Bottas, who he, he gets on well with his teammate. He scores enough points to get every championship required. Uh, and he picks up the pieces whenever, for whatever reason, Hamilton isn't there. Um, and he challenge he pushes Hamilton enough. He challenges Hamilton. I, I think if if Hamilton didn't have any sort of challenge from a teammate, 
Um, I don't think it would actually be beneficial. But the fact that Bottas does take multiple pole positions and multiple wins away from Lewis Hamilton each season, I think does push him to that next level. So it's a partnership that works for Bottas. It's a partnership that works for Hamilton. Uh, and most importantly, it's a partnership that works for Mercedes. So no real reason to switch it around. I know they do have to think about the future at some point. Um, but yeah, sticking with a winning formula, I'm never going to blame someone for doing that. Um and the good thing is, from George Russell's perspective, because I think that was the other direction they could have gone, is to sort of fast-track him into the senior team. The good news is that the Williams has become more competitive this year, at least on the evidence of the first two races. Um, I think there was a massive concern that if Williams were going to be in the same position as they were last year, George Russell being sat at the team isn't really doing anything for his development. Um, and we, you know, George Russell, I think he's a quality driver. I think he absolutely has the potential to be in that Mercedes. And I think he has the potential to be a world champion. But is he the finished product? No, he's nowhere near the finished product. And I think um, I think Styria kind of proved that. You know, he had a great qualifying performance, proving his worth. And then in the race, um, he's dueling away with with Kevin Magnussen. Uh, and on his own accord, he, he just loses it and ends up in the gravel and uh, and ends up basically in last place at that point. And um, when I was watching that, I was thinking, oh, that's, that's a pretty poor move from Russell. That's a bit of a shame. He, he was maybe in with a chance of some, maybe a point, um, his first point in Formula One. Uh, and then I had to, had to, you know, remember that that was, you know, this is the first time that he's had to battle cars for nearly two years. Like at Williams, he was basically just, <laughs> at the back on his own doing his own thing. He hasn't had wheel to wheel contact with anyone for the best part of 18 months. So to iron out, you know, Mercedes will want him to iron out those issues and I'm sure he will, but they would rather he ironed out those issues at somewhere like Williams than do it at the senior team at Mercedes. Um, and, you know, I, I like what Mercedes are doing here, that they're keeping Bottas and Hamilton together. Um, at some point, Hamilton is going to move to one side. Uh, we don't know when that's going to be. Uh, and the good news is they can keep Bottas going every year until, until that point. Uh, and then when Hamilton walks away, they've pretty much got their pick of the litter. They can they can stick with George Russell, who I think would be a very good option. But you've got Lando Norris, who is already connected to Mercedes. And McLaren are getting Mercedes power units next year. I think they've essentially got a choice between those two and potentially Esteban Ocon as well. And they can just pick whichever one they want. Um, sticking with Bottas for the time being is logical. They don't want to upset the Apple car. Sensible move. I agree. I would love to have seen Vettel and Hamilton. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. But um, yeah, I I agree with what they've done here. I wonder, just a thought. Uh, listeners, do you just fast forward what I say? Do you listen to Harry and then listen to Ben and just go, oh God, it's that guy again. I, Can you I, let I me know? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think my mum does. So you just tweet us at L Breaking. Just say, I fast forward Sam. If you do fast forward Sam, please. I'd like to know how useless I am on this. Uh, I've just checked Twitter. Uh, I I fast forward Sam Sage is trending worldwide. (laughs) Great. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm sure people don't skip your bit. Um, It's box office. You, You take your inspiration from Magnuson in that respect. True, true. Moving on to some other driver movement, um, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, the rumours that he could join Racing Point or Aston Martin as it would be 
at that point in time. Uh, they've intensified those rumours. Um, you know, Vettel to Red Bull was uh, was the soup of the week last time, and, and now it seems as if that's transitioned on to Aston Martin. Um, Harry, do, do you think that there's any chance this happens? And in a theoretical world where it does, do you think it would work? Um, I think there is a chance it could happen. The, it's a tricky one because they've got Perez there and in all likelihood Perez will be the one that will get replaced and that quite frankly is harsh because I think Perez is driving perhaps the best we've ever seen him um the charge apart from the clumsy accident with Albon the charge he made through the field last weekend was mightily impressive he was on a mission um and he you know he's been with that team for a while now he's very much ingrained he helped them through the the struggles they had when they uh, you know financial difficulties and it would be rude to say the least if they got rid of him um i think a perez vettel lineup would be highly spicy and you know to relaunch the the team again as as aston martin i think that's for you know for lawrence stroll that's a big name to to you know to scout to have on your f1 team i mean no matter what you say about vettel and his performance nowadays he is still a four times world champion that's a huge name to bring into that you know, to what is effectively Jordan, okay, is what we're talking about here. It's Jordan. Um, so it's uh, it would be, look, I think a Perez-Vettel line would be great. If they do bring Vettel in, I don't think it would be that. I think it would probably be a Vettel-Stroll lineup because I don't see Lawrence getting rid of Lance. It depends on what side, uh, what, you know, how, how Lawrence is acting. Is he acting with his, with his heart or with his head? Because I think a Perez-Vettel lineup would be mightily spicy. Um, so, yeah, I think it could happen... Vettel's got ties to um, Otmar. How do you say his second name? Zafnau? I just call him Otmar. Um So, yeah, he's got ties to Otmar. I think he's pretty good mates with him. Toto and Lawrence get along, and we know Vettel is good mates with Toto. So, there are a lot of ties there. So, I think there's a strong possibility, um, but. I would be sad if it does happen and Perez loses out and gets shunted out of that team. Um, yeah, we'll see. It'll be it'll be it'll be cool though if it did happen. You know, I was I was unsure about this, but after listening to you, Harry, I am convinced this is going to happen because you mentioned Jordan. Um, I am now convinced that Vettel is doing exactly what Damon Hill did. So, I mean, Damon Hill was at Williams, was very successful. Um, that was the Vettel and Red Bull connection there. Um, you know, Damon Hill had to spend a, a year in 1997 at Arrows. That's basically the, the equivalent of the 2020 Ferrari. Um, so now <laughs> Vettel was going to move to Jordan, much like Damon Hill did in 98. This is this is completely written out in the stars. I'm convinced of it now. Um, and I presume, Sam, you're going to agree with me on this. I love that you've literally bent time and space to make this fit your yep. agenda. It's We're just going to ignore all the loopholes. It definitely works. They're even going to paint it with a hornet on the front of it just to make it look the same. I can see it now. There you go, folks. Frank Williams is Christian Horner's dad. It's all true. What? Sorry. Okay. Can I, can there? I... Folks, I'm sorry. This has gone off a real tangent. Does that mean that oh. Vettel will come back and win um, Spa 98? <laughs> yep he's going to travel back in time by nearly 25 years and he's going to win a race that he was probably about 10 years old for it's it, it's going to happen okay I, it, it's undeniable I think back Harry to more serious things. 20, I think that's what he meant 
Yes. No, no, I mean 1998. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen that way around. Okay, getting away from the Damon Hill comparisons. <laughs> Sam, do you think this is going to happen? Do you think that it will work? I'll have skipped my bit now because I'll be fair for that waffle. Um, honestly, there's a number of... In- Stop laughing at me, please. That happens too much. Um, honestly, there's a number of really interesting uh, avenues that this could go down. Like Perez as Harry was saying, is having almost the time of his life in the last kind of 12 months. Had a fantastic back end of last season and he's been brilliant apart from the wet qualifying. He's been absolutely brilliant in the start of this thing as well. An absolute charge and Perez, when he started in Formula 1, was almost seen as a bit of a, a pay driver villain. You know, they had a bit of a bad aura around them. He wasn't looked upon too friendly. Then he got that chance at McLaren. It didn't go brilliantly for him and people thought he was a bit of a nobody. Like his time has come and gone. He won't achieve anything. And then, the public have almost fallen in love with him again. You know, he's got cheeky little sayings like, hey, did you like that one? Because I'm going around the outside. One of the best moves we've seen in a long time in Austria. You know, he puts tuna and chips on pizza, something that we all detest, but we secretly love him for. Um, no, you know, don't. He, pulls, <laughs> he pulls silly faces in driver meetings that we all use as memes. Um, <laughs> he, he's there for a team in financial difficulty and he gives up his wages to ensure that people can stay on board. I mean, the guy's a sweetheart. I love him in Formula 1. I'd be devastated to see him leave because Sebastian Vettel gets to have that seat. But that's not the only avenue we have here, of course. Lawrence Stroll is Lawrence Stroll's dad. And realistically, Lawrence Stroll is never going to boot out his own son because he doesn't want to risk that family relation that he's got there. So that's just not going to happen. There's only one seat available on that team currently. And that is, unfortunately, Perez's seat. Now, this is where it gets even deeper. As you already uh, said, Harry, that they have relations with Otmar. You know, Vettel and Otmar are quite close, but Vettel and Toto are also very close. And Toto recently bought part of Aston Martin and their shares. Aston Martin used Mercedes engines in their road cars as a direct link there. So there's every chance that realistically, Vettel, who is very close to Toto, there's every chance that management could fall under that direction. Vettel could, in turn, replace Perez. The age difference is not too massive between them. Vettel still has a lot of time under his belt for racing. We've seen where Reichen's going. We've seen where Alonso's going. He's got a lot of expertise in building cars. He brings a lot of status to the game. It would not be a stupid decision for Lawrence Stroll to replace Perez with Vettel. I'd be very sad to see it. But at the same time, I love the idea of Vettel being an Aston Martin. I mean, I'm excited for Aston Martin to be in Formula 1. I'm pumped for that. But it makes total sense when you think about it for Vettel to go there. There are so many ties between all of these parties. That I, I kind of can't not see it happening. It makes sense. And I don't see why Lawrence Stroll would realistically cling on to Perez. They have no direct correlation. Lawrence has enough money to fund that team. He doesn't need Perez's uh, financial sponsors that can come along with it. Yeah, it's extra money, which is nice, but it's a spend cap. So you don't necessarily need that much more money coming in. So I generally think that Vettel to Aston Martin is a real option. And the fact that I'm saying Aston Martin in Formula 1 just feels so bloody good. Um, yeah, semi vet Aston Martin with Lance Stroll, unfortunately, uh, is a real possibility. I reckon that's about 80% likely to happen. Interesting stuff. Um, I think the one thing that Vettel brings is that big-time experience, which, let's face it, they, they, they don't have. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel has won four world championships at a team, and he's spent time at Ferrari. Um and and ultimately, you know, you could you can stick Aston Martin on the walls of the uh, of the company headquarters, and you you can get the logo out. Ultimately, it is it is Jordan, as you said, 
uh, Harry. You know, this is Racing Point. This is Force India. Um, just a, a, a name change and a, and a brand spice up. That's, that's not going to do anything. This is still a team that has been um, not winning for... It hasn't been a title contender for over 20 years. Um, this is still a team that does not have the experience of fighting at the top. Uh, and that applies to the drivers in Perez and Stroll and also the members of the team itself. So having Sebastian Vettel, someone who's been there and done it, will be very valuable in that respect. And how many opportunities do you get to sign a, you know, the fourth or fifth most successful driver in F1 history? You, you don't get many opportunities to do so. So um, I could see it happening. I could see it happening. Just to say, uh, I, I have a few questions. Is Vettel right now, and this is a serious question, is Vettel right now better than Perez? Because I'm not convinced he is. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel has done a lot in Formula One, um, and at his peak, obviously, he was he was one of the best of all time. But Sergio Perez is a quality driver. Uh, and Sergio Perez has been embedded in that team for so long now. He knows the team inside out. I think apart from Lewis Hamilton, who's been at Mercedes for seven years, I think Perez has been at his team the longest time. So he knows he knows his team inside out. And I don't honestly know if Vettel could go in there and do a better job than what Perez is doing right now. In fact, if I had to if I had to guess, I would say he wouldn't or he'd do the same job. I don't think he'd do a better job. Um, uh, will Vettel be cheaper? No, not in terms of salary. Will he bring in as much money as Perez does? No, and I I do take your point on board about the salary cap on that, but um, or sorry, the cost cap on that, um, and I think Perez does deserve that top seat opportunity. He did get that opportunity at McLaren earlier in his career. It it was too early for him. I think he'd probably admit that, and I think most people recognise that. Um, but it wasn't as bad as I I've said this a few times. It wasn't as bad as people remember it to be. It wasn't great, but it wasn't all that bad. Um, and I think. You know, given it's seven years since that point and how many good years he's had since then, he definitely deserves one more chance. I am going to make a bit of a bold prediction here. And that is that these Vettel and Perez comparisons are not needed because they'll both be racing for Alpha, uh, both be racing for Alpha Martin. I it's think, not going to happen. I think Lawrence Lauren, Lauren, he's a businessman. If, he, if his son is not doing well enough at the team, I think it, I think they'll axe him. I really do. Or they'll they'll put him as a test. They'll put him in in their test role, or pay Haas a buttload of money for him to go there for a year, or something to keep him in the sport until you know Vettel retires or Perez moves on. Because I I, I know he he he'll want to keep his son in the seat. Of course he will. But I think he is a businessman first and foremost, and I think he would make that difficult decision. It also, I suppose, depends on whether he takes up the, the role to have that decision. He might want to be the owner of the team and not be that hands-on, of course. He may keep Otmar on, for example, and go, well, that responsibility as team principal is yours. Um, it's up to you whether we keep a driver or not. Of course, I'd like to say, but you are part of the team. I'm simply the owner of the team. It, it'll be interesting to see how the dy- dynamic of Aston Martin works when it all comes around. And to big, be clear, I mean, Lance... Sorry. Sorry, Ben. So I was just going to say, like, Lance Stroll has been, is a decent driver. Don't get me wrong. He is a solid driver. And he's been good enough for Racing Point at the level that they are at now. And he was good enough for Williams at the level they were then. 
But Aston Martin have aspirations to be a big team. And I don't know if Stroll has, I don't know if Stroll is good enough for a team that wants to be at least fighting for wins and maybe even further on than that, fighting for championships. And I don't think Lawrence Stroll has become as rich and as successful as he has been without making tough decisions on the way. I think he'd make this decision. I'm just going to say... Get over... Uh, sorry, carry on, Harry. Just gonna, this is not important now, but I'm just going to say I'm a big fan of the phrase a buttload of money. Just going to put that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if it's coming great. from Lawrence Stroll, it's going to be that much. So, Is it not an bad. entire buttload? Yeah. An entire buttload, of course. Okay, um, moving on to our final topic of today. We're going to play a quick game of F1 overrated, underrated. We'll start with, and I mean, this guy's already got a few mentions today. Kevin Magnussen, is he overrated or underrated? Harry, go. I have a lot of time for the box officeness of box office Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> but <laughs> I think he um I think he's overrated just because just because we love him so much for his box officeness. Um I, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one because he's obviously quick, but and and it could well be to do with that has. But apart from occasionally ramming people off the road with some very aggressive defending, I don't and he, and I know he did get a podium back in twenty fourteen, box office defending. Um apart from that, I don't really know what K Mag has done since, to be honest. And I know he's been in the, in the, some tricky cars, but yeah, I, I he's not impressed me majorly apart from being box office. So I'm gonna get overrated. Sorry, K Mag. Oh, tears for K Mag. Sam, <laughs> w- what do you say? Overrated, underrated? He can, he can cry those tears on my shoulder. Come over here, K Mag, because to me, he's underrated. I, obviously, I think that is going to be an unpopular opinion as well. I think I might get slaughtered for that one. But I, I think the guy's got bags and bags of talent. I think his career moves have just been so unlucky. I think he's consistently just gone to a team when they are about to enter their downfall. You know, McLaren, he arrived there. It wasn't going brilliantly for them at the time. It was not a positive spell. They were about to hit that really tough spot. And then he went to Haas. And Haas, oh, he went to Renault, and that didn't go well. I mean, I almost forgot. Jolian Palmer was his teammate. Lol. Um, And then goes to Haas. And Haas had one good season, which he leads comfortably. He's better than Grosjean. And that car has been an absolute dog since then. I, I think he has been played with unlucky timings in his career. I don't ever think he's been good enough to be a world champion, but I do think that the guy could have been, you know, nine, ten time race winner. I think that maybe he could have, you know, fought it out there in a top four team. Um, I think he's capable. And I think that he tries a little too hard because of the types of cars he's in, and that causes mistakes. And He's not perfect. I'm not trying to say he is. And maybe that's why I love him so. But he's in my eyes, he's underrated. And I think he can still achieve quite a bit if he just gets himself a semi-all-right drive for the last few years of his career in Formula 1. So just to clarify, Kevin Magnussen could be all right if he gets a semi. Why? Get your, get your mind out the gutter, you vile. I, sorry, couldn't resist. Disgusting! <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for that. Um... Yeah, I actually agree with you, Sam. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, Love that. Not massively to the point that, that you think he is, but I do think he's underrated. Uh, he gets put in the same box, to use a an appropriate term, 
um, as nice. as Roman Grosjean. And I mean, ultimately, he's beaten Roman Grosjean the last two years. So um, I don't think he really deserves that. He beat Jolie and Palmer, who probably ranks in the top five drivers of all time. Um, and he did a solid <laughs> job at McLaren in that first season. I mean, not not amazing. Um, he did get comfortably beaten by Jensen Button, but considering Button's experience at that point in his career and considering it was Magnussen's debut year, I think he did all right. Um, yeah, I, I think he's slightly underrated. Moving on to a circuit, a circuit that we've just visited, the Red Bull Ring. Sam, do you think the Red Bull Ring is underrated or overrated? I don't remember being there. Did I come back from there? Did we? Were anyway. Oh, wow. My brain does not work. We've established this. <laughs> Harry on the sound effects, everybody. Um, <laughs> I generally think this track is underrated. I think when people talk about great tracks on the F1 calendar, this constantly gets overlooked because it's near Silverstone. It's near Spa. It's near Monza on the calendar. You know, it's got Azerbaijan, the other side of it. Canada's the other side of it. All of them are fantastic tracks. The middle of the season in F1 is plagued with brilliant racing tracks. Austria regularly delivers a brilliant race. Time after time, we see great races there. We see collisions. We see close racing. We see dive bombs. We see hairpin time, to quote ex Matty G. You know, fantastic racing there. Weather crops up all the time there. It's not just bucketfuls of sunshine. We get rain. We get crazy wind. We get red flags. It's a brilliant track. The curbs alone are fantastic. I really think it's one of the best tracks on the calendar at the moment. I think it's brilliant for all types of racing. It works well. I love it. I think it's a great track. I'm glad we got two of them there. I'm really happy that we got to see that twice this season. Massively underrated track for me. Harry, do you agree in its underratedness? Absolutely, I do. Sam, I agree with you entirely. It's, I don't know. When we, you know, people generally speak of classic tracks, great tracks, Ripple Ring, A1 Ring, the Osterreich ring, whatever you want to call it, it should be on there because it it always delivers a good race, like every, every time, pretty much. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's in a fantastic location to start with. And there aren't even that many corners on it, but it doesn't need it. It's just something about that track. It's tricky. A lot of places you fall off the road, you're going to be in the, in the gravel trap or in the barriers. Um, the curves are bumpy. It's hard on the car, hard on the driver. And yeah, it always delivers. So... It's 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 so underrated. Yeah, I, I I won't waste too much time on this one, really, because I agree with you both. Um, if you were to ask people to list their favourite European tracks, and rightly or wrongly, they would probably go Silverstone, Spa, Monza, Imola, Nürburgring, Hockenheim. And I, I reckon you probably have to get seven or eight in before people actually mention the Red Bull Ring. And I, I don't really understand why you have to go that far down the list for it. It's a great circuit. I can't remember the last bad race there. Yeah. I mean, year on year, it just proves itself as a great circuit. So, yes, underrated, three for three on that. Um, the last two races have really proven it too. Finally, the new Williams livery. Of course, they did have the rocket-inspired livery to start off the season. Or, well, not, not exactly. They were going to have the rocket livery at least, um, but they left the team, so they had to redesign. Harry? Overrated or underrated? Uh, I'm going to go underrated again here. Uh, I liked the original Rocket Williams livery. I think we said it was a, a vast improvement on what they had last year. 
But this with the loss now with the loss of Rocket, I think this one's even better. I think it's just slick, and I know it's you know potentially a lot like um, other other liveries we've seen before, um, and it's not the greatest livery I've ever seen. But I I like it. It kind of sounds ridiculous, but it's a it's a Williams livery. So what I imagine a Williams livery kind of being, um, they they're kind of classic colours. Uh, maybe could have done with some more blue on it, like the old BMW days. But for me, underrated. I like it a lot. Nice and slick, nice and clean. Jobs are good. <laughs> Jobs are good. Um, Sam, do you agree? Well, I have to... I can't believe I'm saying this. I completely agree. A couple of more sponsors, a little bit more blue. Throw back to that 2003-2005 era with the uh, the BMW. Uh, a little bit more blue on the sides, which is a, a gorgeous livery in itself. But yeah, I like it. I like it way more than the original Rocket livery. Um I liked the new rocket livery like we had, um, but obviously the, the sponsor left them, which is a real shame. Um, but I really like this. I, my only reservation when it comes to the Williams livery is currently on the grid. It feels like we've got a lot of white and liveries, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of mainly white cars with a splash of something else on them. There's at least four cars now. You know, you've got Alpha Tauri, which is white and blue. Williams, white and blue. Uh, Alfa Romeo, white and red. And there's definitely one I miss. Haas, white and grey and red. And from the front, they all kind of look exactly the same. And they, they seem to be more of a prominent rule a little while ago, where liveries had to have a more obvious, different central colour. And it doesn't really feel that that's the case at the moment. They all kind of blend into one. But if you were to stand that Williams on its own, if you just look at some lovely photos of it, it's underrated. It's a nice-looking car. Not the best I've ever seen, but it's a nice-looking car. For a Williams, considering I hated the Martini liveries, I really enjoy this. So, a quick fun fact about me. I'm uh, I'm actually able to get to sleep at night within about five seconds. And if you'd like to know my trick, it's that I look at the Williams livery because it <laughs> is dull and it's boring and I don't like it. Don't care. Um, the rocket one was great. It was, I, I think it had a retro touch to it somewhat. Um, and it just stood out. It, I, there, I think there are so many white and blue and red. I, they'd kind of just, I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of samey going on on the grid and, and the Williams livery really packed a punch. It, it looks something different. Um, and I just, I think it's a bit dull. I'm not going to lie. I think the new one's a bit dull. Um, Sorry, I'm going to say it's overrated. The thing is, I can actually understand your argument. Like, I think it's underrated, but I I wouldn't put it past the realms of dull. It's just I've been such a an enemy of the Williams liveries for the last what feels like decade now that this is a bit of a refreshing change that I don't actually mind it. But, um... Yeah, it could definitely do us some spicing up. New colour on there. I'd like a green car, someone. Please. Please. We have green race cars are great. We haven't had one since, what, Lotus back in, what, 2011, 2012? Um, make it happen. We need some green on. I'm tired of white. There's too much white on the track. Thank you. Looking at you at Racing Point, Aston Martin. Make it happen. 100%. Oh, please. I mean, those early 2010s catering cars... Good God, they're beautiful. Yeah, love green, them. Green and Formula One cars just go together. They are meant yeah. to be. And, um, well, I think we'll leave it on that plead to Aston Martin. Um, Sebastian Vettel in a green car next year. Can't wait to see it. 
but uh, until then um <laughs> do enjoy the uh the hungarian grand prix at the weekend we'll of course be back for our review of the race um and we'll be seeing whether valtteri bottas still holds that championship lead whether red bull can get any closer questions still remain uh, and we'll be going through any of those answers on our review podcast on sunday but until then sam if you can get us out of here yeah, Ben's done a fantastic job rounding it all off. Join us after the race. We've got a video going live on YouTube on that Sunday night. So make sure you tune in for our review. Uh, join us for the rest of the season. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Franco Farini. Ooh. And remember, keep breaking late. <laughs> <laughs>